And all the players will show what Tottenham's all about. Hello to all Club Talk users at sportsbet.io. My name is Gavin from Clubhouse TV and welcome to another Behind the Bet with sportsbet.io on a significant day in the crypto world. Happy Ethereum Day, uh, with today being the day of the big merge. To celebrate that fact, sportsbet.io are giving you chances to win some free bets tonight on Clubhouse TV, which is live for the Europa League games. Uh, you can still ask your questions to our very special guest on sportsbet.io and on the live stream as well. Our very special guest today came through the Leeds United Academy in the late 90s and within two years of breaking into the first team as part of a great Leeds team that finished fourth and then third in the Premier League and made the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup and the Champions League. He later moved into management, uh, recently being the manager of AFC Bournemouth and only five English players have ever played for Real Madrid. Our guest is one of them. Uh, please welcome to Behind the Bet with Sportsbet.io, Jonathan Woodgate. How are you, matey? I'm good. I'm not too bad, thanks. All right. What was it like watching yourself, by the way, with the, the, the clips that you saw there? Not great. I've put a bit of weight on since then. I don't think you have. I've put two stone on. No. I used to play 13 stone, and now I'm 15 stone. <sighs> I need to start getting back in the gym. Um, I said there's only five English players who have ever played for Real Madrid. That's a small group of people, isn't it? Uh, can you name the other four English players to have ever played for Real Madrid? Laurie Cunningham, Mike Manaman, Owen Beckham. I thought you might struggle on the Laurie Cunningham. And that was the first one off the list. <laughs> you do your research, don't you? You do hey. your research, don't you, when you go to a football hey. club? Yeah. Um, that's a very select group of people, isn't it? Five. You are one of five English. I mean, obviously, Gary Pale played for, and we're talking Englishmen, not Britishmen. Uh, but just five people played for Real Madrid and you're one of those five. That's that's a nice little group to be in, isn't it? It's a good group. It's a, a full of top players, but you just wish there was a few more players from England who played for Real Madrid. It's the biggest team in the world, but I expected more players from England to go and sample that life in, in Spain and that culture and playing for the top teams. You know, when you get the, the call-up, and um, this is, this always intrigues me about a, a, a footballer, um, you're obviously extremely good at your uh, sport, your profession. That's why you make it as a professional footballer. But are there certain calls where you think, oh, hang on a minute, this might be a real test of my ability to go to play for Real Madrid? Is it one that you kind of welcome and go, I've got to go for? Is it one that intimidates you and scares you and sometimes you have to think twice about it? Definitely not intimidation. Definitely not because... You believe in yourself. And as a player, I always had belief in myself, especially when I crossed the white line to go on the pitch. I always believed in myself. So I saw it as a huge opportunity to go and play for one of the best teams in the world. And when my agent told me that they were going to bid for me, I thought, right, well, I want to go. Let's make this move happen. It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And what is it like when you get that call? Because I know that you were... Now, here in Yorkshire, in, in, in England, there is a quaint little... Uh, uh, you were in a seaside town, weren't you, when you got the call? Whitby. Whitby. Yeah. So you're there, I assume it's a day out with the family. Yeah, yes. You're yeah. having a nice time. You get a phone call that says, Real Madrid want you. I mean, how does that feel? 
Well, first of all, when when your agent phoned you, it's like a pardon. <laughs> Can you just say that again, please? <laughs> and then if you've been to Whitby, you'll know the area. You're walking down the 99 steps. Yeah. I could have actually rolled down them or fell down them at, at some point in that in that moment. But it's just a feeling that you think to yourself, make this happen. And I remember that the, the goosebumps on my on the back of my neck stood up when he said, They're gonna bid for you. They want you, they want you to sign. I knew in that season that they'd been watching me because um, we had a good time at Newcastle in the UEFA Cup semi-final. We, we played some good teams and I was playing well. But they just signed a centre-half who was at Inter Milan called Walter Samuel, Argentina international. So I thought to myself, that's done. They're not going to come in for another centre-half. Anyway, they ended up coming for me um, at the time. The funny thing is, though, just I think it was two days before that I was due to, to fly to Munich for some injections in my back. So I couldn't tell anyone what was happening and I couldn't tell the physio what was happening. And on and the morning, I think it was when I was in Munich, the doctor rang me up and said, how was it all going? How are you feeling? I said, yeah, really good. No problem at all. I've had the injections. I feel good. 10 minutes later, my agent rings me and he says to me, right, they're sending a private jet over to Munich to pick you up. <laughs> so I'm going to meet the, 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 uh, the, the physio in the lobby to go and get another round of injections. And I go down with my bag. He says, where are you going? I said, I told him the story. He was like, he, could, he was dumbfounded. This, he is, was this, like, is the, this is the medical team at, uh, at Newcastle. Newcastle United. Yeah. So I went to see him. I said, listen, in reception, I've got to go to, to Madrid. I'm, I'm due a medical. I didn't know I was going to pass the medical, by the way, but I passed it. Well, that's the interesting thing about Real Madrid because you, and we, we'll be talking about Real Madrid and talking about your career at Middlesbrough because I'm also fascinated by um, you know, everybody who's interested in football uh, wants to be a professional footballer. And everybody who wants to play professional football wants to play professional football for their own team that they support. And you've done that. So you've lived out many fantasy for football fans across the world. It's not just a case of I want to be a footballer, but I want to be a footballer for my team, which yeah. you've done. Then you went on to manage them as well, which is taking the the next step. I want to talk about that a, a little bit later on. We'll get questions uh, to Jonathan Wilgate on Behind the Bed at Sportsbed.io. But when you signed for Real Madrid, you signed in August uh, of uh, 20... When was it? Oh, you signed for 20, 2004, yeah. but you didn't make your appearance, first appearance until September 2005. How tough was that? Yeah, that was an absolute nightmare scenario. Um, I went, I signed for Madrid with a like a, a thigh strain, thinking it was a thigh strain, but it wasn't. It was like a, a rip in the tendon, and it's something called a bullseye lesion. So when you get this, you've got to take extra time. I didn't. At first, I kept on tearing it and pulling it, and it became a nightmare. So I, I got back fit after three weeks. I remember I played in one of the It was a practice game against, uh, I don't know, the reserves or something, and I'd done it again. I couldn't believe it. I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. They just signed me to play for the team, and like I say, the biggest team in world football. And I had to wait a year for my debut. It was, ter it was a I've terrible never, period. I've never heard of anything like that where someone's had to wait a year for their debut. It's and, not ideal. It's no, not how, ideal. How, do you, how do you keep yourself mentally strong through that period? Um, you, you just have to. You, you, you've got to find a way to get through it. Um, I didn't really have any family over there at the time because they were back in England. It was tough. It was tough, but you do find a way and you look at the end goal. You look for the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we are going to talk about your debut for Real Madrid <laughs> as well. 
Which I, I thought this question would call. Well, we we kind of have to, but I I am going to counterbalance it out uh, because I think it's a very fair question. If if people start talking about your debut for Real Madrid, you can quite easily turn around and ask me and say how my debut for Real Madrid was. Exactly, I've done that a few times. Because the fact of the matter is, is that I'm nowhere near good enough to play <laughs> professional football. Never mind Real Madrid. <laughs> you have been there. You have done it. You know, I would love to say I had a you know a shall we say, below average debut for Real Madrid? Um, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. And I will counterbalance the fact that uh, within a couple of weeks of that, you did actually score for Real Madrid in the Champions League as well. Rosenberg. Against Champions Rosenberg, League, yeah. yeah. 1-0 yeah. losing at half-time. You equalised, made it 1-1, went on to win 4-1. 4-1, that's right. And I remember scoring the goal. It just felt like pure euphoria. Yeah. I'm back. So, and I went and, I went and celebrated, jumped all over the doctor who had been with me all the way through it. Yeah. Who had probably got a hard time off the president i think he felt a lot of relief as well yeah so you know we will talk about the debut a little bit later on but of course we'll counterbalance it with the good times you had at real madrid as well so uh time to ask your questions to jonathan we'll get our very special guest uh here at uh, behind the bet with sportsbet.io i will warn you that i have no idea what questions are coming our way Brilliant. or your way should be interesting are you ready then yeah uh, let's time to ask your questions to jonathan woodgate I will tell you as well later on that there is a chance for you to win a 10 USDT free bet as we play. Uh, how well do you know, Jonathan? It's where we've asked you three questions before this chat and we'll see how many uh, got two out of three right. If you get at least two out of three right, uh, you'll win a 10 USDT free bet. That's coming up later on. But right now, question number one. Question from Spore 1907. How can you describe being a Real Madrid player? Is it a really special thing? Yeah, it's a... It's a pleasure to play for that for that team um, and the supporters as well. I've been lucky enough to go back um, working for the, a, a radio station and seeing the atmosphere and seeing what it's like not as a player because as a player you're caught up in the moment whereas I could just sit back, watch the bus come in, watch the fans react how the bus came in. But that feeling pulling on the shirt is, a, is an incredible feeling knowing that you're playing for such a special club with so much history. Um, but even though I didn't play a great deal, I enjoyed my time there and learned so many lessons. Um, you've spoken about your transfer to uh, Real Madrid, which is all a little bit of a whirlwind, private jets and medicals and this, that and the other. When does it sink in and it hit home that you're a Real Madrid player? When does that actually hit home with you? It sinks in probably when you leave. All right. When you leave the club and then you only realise you, you're going down. And that's when it realised for me. Then I signed, I signed for Middlesbrough, and I thought, my, I thought to myself, well. Then you realise how lucky you've been to play for the best club with the best players, with the players with the best standards, the best mentalities, and who play great football as well. But such a history of a club, um, and that's the biggest thing. You realise it when you've left. Yeah. I guess so. Because um, some of the players that you played with, I mean, I, I could ask so many more questions, but I, I might be stepping on the toes of other questions that are coming in. But I've got a list of players that you shared a dressing room with. In a, in a few seconds, well, 30 seconds or so, what is that like when you walk into that dressing room for the first time and you see these megastars of football in that dressing room as your teammates? Um, no different. No different because they welcomed me and they were really good people. Um, you could see there was no egos in the dressing room at all there was no big tell you, times tell you what just name them name the name name some of the players that you just think when you walked in and just went wow ronaldo zidane beckham figo roberto carlos casillas ramos no ramos wasn't there ramos was there last year 
Elguera. Can you remember Ivan Elguera? Yeah. Center half, center midfielder, Gooty. But all like really genuine people and good people. No egos? None. Not that I saw. Yeah. I couldn't speak the language. So. Okay. And what was Ronaldo like to, to be around on and off the pitch? Um, I'd say Ronaldo, one of the best people I've met in football. Yeah. As just so genuine. He probably realized what I was going through being injured because he had a lot of injuries when he was in the Milan. So he realized what I was what I was going through, but he helped me a lot. He used to invite me around his house. Even when my friends came, he'd invite me around. I mean, they couldn't they they couldn't believe it playing pool with Ronaldo, one minute at the back in Middlesbrough. It's just unheard <laughs> of. It's it's unheard of. But that that was the type of the, the man he was, humble, down to earth. Yeah. And a top, top player. Is it almost like uh, the, the bigger the player, the less the ego because they have achieved it. They know the status that they're in and they're not desperate to get somewhere because they're already there at the very top. Yeah, I think you're right when you say that. I think it's the, the lesser players who have more of the ego who think, who think they should be there. Yeah. Or why aren't they there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Sport. Uh, second question to Jonathan Woodgate behind the bet with sportsbet.io. A uh, question from Tim. What sports do you follow uh, besides football? Um, I like the UFC. I really in, in, enjoy that. Um, love boxing as well. Like a bit of rugby. I like I like all sport. If there's live sport on telly, I'll normally I'll normally watch it. Um, my son started playing a little bit of tag rugby, so right. I'm trying to help him with that. Um, are you? I'm going to word this nicely. Are you what I call one of those really annoying people that's extremely good at one sport, football, mm. and extremely good at another sport as well? Not really. I wouldn't say, well, I'm not a good boxer. I like to try and train, do boxing training, but I I couldn't fight sleep. I like golf. Not great at it. Are you not? Not great. I'm actually due to play tomorrow, actually. I've got a charity game tomorrow, so I'm going to play on that tomorrow. I love it. What's the best round of golf you've had? I've shot, uh, I think I'm 81. But that's nowhere near compared to all these pros. Have you seen how them pros hit? Have you heard the noise? I was about to say it's not the it's not how it looks it's the noise it's, the, it's like a whoosh and when I it's like a yeah it's like a slap oh man it's like a slap someone who appreciates the sound of a golf mm. ball being hit extremely the, well the it's, thing, it's the, incredible but the thing is with golf as well you can redeem yourself so you can have one bad hole and then you can hit another hit a blinding shot and play really well so you think yeah I'm back yeah but that's the first frustrating thing with golf that you do have a really good hole and then think yes I'm getting somewhere yeah. and then the n- golf can bring you straight back down to oh, with a bump yeah with absolutely a bump. uh thank you tim uh right another question for jonathan woodgate question from lolo jones hello lolo jones uh where do you think he would have come as a career if there were no injuries Whoa. well <sighs> more distinguished career without without question i'd have stayed at madrid for a, a lot more years than i did and i'd have won more england caps without question but it is what it is I was injured for long periods in my career. Um, but yeah, without doubt, I had a much more successful career. Having done quite a lot of research about your career, the the, the injuries still, uh, keep cropping up. Uh, there's one case in point uh, where Newcastle United, you get to the UEFA Cup semi-final. Mm. Uh, and it's Marseille, isn't it, that you get yeah, in Marseille. the semi-final? And you play in the semi-final first leg, and mm. you've, you've you've basically done a, a great defending job and won Didier Drogba, who's pretty good at football. Yeah. Um, and it's nil-nil after the first tie, but then you get injured in between the first and the second tie. Mm. You miss it, and Newcastle get beat. And that, for me, kind of epitomizes how unlucky you were with injuries. You always just—it wasn't just a case you were getting injured, but you were getting injured at sometimes 
the worst time you could get yeah injured. vital vital part of the season i mean that's probably my best game i think i've played that against marseille my whole career um i was up against drogba and i knew how good he was at the time i knew a lot of clubs were were looking at him i knew it was going to be a real test a real top quality center forward a bit i'd say a bit of a throwback to how we used to see centre forwards, he could dominate a centre half. He could bring players in. He was, he was physically strong, but also a good finisher and he'd bring his, his teammates in and look like a real leader. So, and you're always up against it. But like I say, it was one of the, one of them games where I, I did well. How do you keep bouncing back from so many injuries? Because they they have kept you out of not just potentially major finals. Because there's you know I've I've seen plenty of uh, of chat in, in in Newcastle United forums that said look if you stayed fit they could have potentially got through to the final but you've missed out on uh you know major european competitions but also international tournaments because of injuries how do you keep bouncing back how do you keep going strong mentality you've got to keep on going you don't want to you don't you don't want to give up that's that's one thing for sure my father always said to me never give up and work as hard as you can and that's what that's the the beliefs and the i'd say the, the morals that he's given me throughout my life work as hard as you can and never give up and they're the lessons i'll try and teach my kids yeah. uh thank you lolo jones another question for jonathan woodgate uh let's uh see this one this is from tim again what do you think about the england national team is there a chance here we go world cup coming soon is there a chance to win the world cup yeah there's a chance um but i'd say there's a lot of players who are out of form and um, there's a lot of players who aren't really playing so it's going to be difficult harry kane gets injured i think that's it um but They've had a really successful period under Gareth Southgate. What they did in, in the World Cup, what they did the Euros, getting to the final. He's basically changed the beliefs of this England team. He's changed a mentality. He's brought in a culture to the squad. Everyone looks like they're looking to go away with England and enjoy it. It looks like a release for them. Yeah, which which he's brought together. And I think he's done a, a brilliant job. The answer to that question is: Will they win the World Cup? I don't think they will. Who does? It's an unbelievable question. Who does? I'd have to say, I'd have to say Brazil. Yeah, Brazil or France? Yeah. Brazil or France? I think they've got some outstanding players. Uh, so when you were at Real Madrid, uh, you had a number of managers, shall we say? Uh, was it a total of in your time at Real Madrid, you had four or five managers? Yeah, four. Or five. Can you pronounce them all? Because uh, <laughs> I, I struggled. I can. I can pronounce. Uh, in fact, I've got them here. Actually, uh, you had Jose Antonio Camacho who signed you. Yeah. Then you had uh, Mariano Garcia Ramon. Yeah. Who gave you your debut? Then you had Vendelai Luxemburgo. Then you had Juan Ramon. Yeah. And then it ended with Fabio Capello. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Crazy in the two years. But I think we had two presidents as well, by the way. Um, but the interesting thing with Fabio Capello, because this is why I, I brought this up, uh, England looking happy under Gareth Southgate was a complete contrast to England under Fabio Capello. Now, you actually know both managers very well. Mm. Uh, was it Gareth Southgate who signed you for Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough? Yeah. So you've actually played under Fabio Capello and you've played under Gareth Southgate as well what is the significant difference between those two managers and why England looked unhappy under one and very happy under the other? I'd go back to how Gareth manages his players. The two different people altogether. One's a headmaster. The other one's a headmaster, but a lot, lot lighter and more affable, more approachable, more, I'd say, what's the word I'm looking for? More humanised. 
you can have a conversation with Gareth Southgate. You couldn't have like a really in-depth conversation with Capello face-to-face. It's a bit shut off. But with Gareth, you can ask him anything. He'll always help you. He's more of a father figure, mm. Gareth. But let's be honest, Fabio Capello's had an extraordinary career Yeah, in, in, in Italian football. Won La Liga with, with Madrid twice. And has been a top coach. So there's different ways of different ways of managing, and it was a different group of players then as well. How much more over the course of the last uh, I don't know decade, fifteen years, has man management been in terms of being a manager of a group of players rather than being that headmaster role where you will do this, you will play this way, mm. uh, you'll, you'll you'll follow the instructions. How much more? Uh, is man management now an important practice in in the dressing room? Yeah, you've got to deal with different different personalities, and I've I've said previous that all these players aren't wired up different. They've all had different upbringing, so you've got to manage them totally different to how you you can't just manage them all the same. We're all different, yeah. and we all respond to different characteristics and different parts of leadership. I'd say um, it's a it's a, it's a huge part, but also as well tactically is a huge part of, of the game now. And you see the way. Guardiola players or Klopp players are they great man managers? Who knows? Yeah. But what you see on the pitch, they're great tacticians. Uh, what were you like as a tactician, as a manager? Were you were you more of a man management or more tactician, or were you uh, even on, on on both? I say there's got to be there's got to be a balance. I'd say I'm I'm a manager that players can come and approach. They can they can talk to me, and I'm, what I am with players is I am totally honest. I don't beat around the bush. I'll tell them face to face. And they'll appreciate when they walk out that door, they'll know the manager hasn't lied. He's been totally honest. They might not, might not like what I'm saying to them, but they'll appreciate I'm, I'm being honest. And I think that's a honesty is a massive, a massive thing in management. Was there a manager, and you don't have to name them, but was there a manager that you struggled to get on with at all um, when you were a player? No, I'd say I got on with all my managers because I knew my job, I knew my role, I knew how to act. Um, and if they were honest with me, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Bobby Robson, for example, oh, incredible man manager. Yeah. But he'd tell you face to face if you weren't playing well. But he'd tell you when you're walking out the door how good you've been and how good you can be, and you can go even higher. Yeah, pushed you. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, thank you. Right, press no, the right buttons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another question for Jonathan Woodgate behind the bet sportsbet.io. Here we go. Question from Off Branded: Who would you consider the best coach you had? Who improved you the most and had the biggest impact on your career? Who improved me the most? I'd say Bobby Robson. I'd say just for his enthusiasm that he gave me, his belief in me. Um, I wouldn't say that I worked a lot under him as a, as a player in, in defensively, um, but I'd say him. I'd say without question, I played some of my best football when I was at Newcastle. I've also got to look at David O'Leary when I was at when I was at Leeds, who at times was difficult with me because he knew I could go on to the next level and he, he always wanted the best. So I'll just say for example, if I'd lost a few headers on a on a Saturday and I was weak in the air, he used to have me back on afternoons practicing heading. Just me, him, and Eddie Gray, the assistant coach. Shotting balls in the air and I'd have to head it, get my timing right, but he was constantly on me. Um but yeah, like I say, you learn a lot from every single coach. Tony Pulis, for example, when I went to Stoke, I thought I knew everything when I went to Stoke. I thought it was a, yeah, I just come from Spurs, blah, 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 had a decent enough career. And I thought I knew everything about defending. 
he was top and I mean on the defensive side of the game of organization and a, and a structure to a team and setting a team up no disrespect to to Stoke but set them up in a way not to get beat set them up in a way to show them how to beat teams by you don't have to play great football you have to score goals and I learned a lot from him also. What was the uh, what was the big thing that Bobby Robson improved you most on as a player? Because you, you, I've heard you say before that you were you think your best time as a footballer mm. was at Newcastle yeah. United. I'd say I'd say confidence. Yeah. Just believe you can do more. Bring the ball out of defence. Don't just be happy with passing at your fullback. Bring it out of defence. Attract the midfield and you pass it off. Be composed on the ball. Little things like that which take you to a take you to a different level. And you mentioned David O'Leary, who was the, the Leeds manager. Uh, I know it was George Graham and then he became David O'Leary yeah. at Le- when you were at Leeds. Uh, but there's a character in the Youth Academy who really pushed you for your heading, which was Paul Hart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk yeah. to me about how he made you improve your heading. Well, with Paul, I remember, first of all, I went away to a competition in, a, in, a, in America. We went there. Um and I played really well in the tournament. Bearing in mind, I'm a 15-year-old kid playing in an under-18 tournament. So when I go there, I'm, I'm really nervous. Play anyway, do really well. Eddie Gray goes back, tells the club, you need to sign him on a pro contract when he turns 17. Brilliant. I'm over the moon. Anyway, I start the, the pre-season training. We're playing these games, and I'm, I'm losing headers for fun, like getting beat by smaller lads than me. And Paul Hart was an aggressive centre-half, but cultured as well. He could play. And he, was, he used to call me Ghost. So he said, Ghost, he said, listen, that pro contract's getting taken off you if you don't start heading the ball. So you can imagine what I was doing nearly every every other day. He's called me Ghost because I was doing a pre-season with the 18s. I was 14-year-old and they are all running up the hills. I couldn't keep up. I was running up these hills, right, getting nowhere anyway. I ended up being sick, white as a sheet. And that's why he still calls me Ghost. Now, if you saw yeah. me now, he called me Ghost. All right. Uh, we've just had some breaking news, by the way. I've just looked up and there's some breaking news that Roger Federer is set to retire from tennis. We've just had that breaking news. So uh, an absolute legend in the world of tennis that Roger Federer is set to retire from tennis. And boy, what a career he's had, by the way. <laughs> hey, incredible. Proper player. Proper, proper player. Uh, right, another question uh, for Jonathan Woodgate, uh, behind the bed at Sportsbed.io. Question from King Shane 101 What is the biggest difference between the Premier League and the Liga during your playing days and possibly still to this day? Yes, still to this day uh, in the Liga, the players have a lot more, I'd say, quality on the ball, especially when you go down the league. So, say, between 10th to 20th, they'll all play and they're all really good on the ball. Not as quick as um, the Premier League. The Premier League's fast and furious. You need to be a machine, really. You have to get up and down. If you look at a lot of the midfielders in the Premier League now, they can all run. Whereas in the Liga, you can you can play, you can pass. The game's not played at, at the same intensity. There is this thinking, uh, and it's said quite a lot, certainly for, for fans of the Premier League, that uh, the Liga is not an easier league to win, but you can have, if you're playing for some of the top teams, you can have off days and still win. Mm. Whereas in the Premier League, as been proven with Manchester City, you know uh, they've dropped points against sides that haven't in the past because they have a slight off day and they're caught unaware. Is that is that an actual thing, or is that just utter nonsense that only football fans would say? No, I think I think that's right. I think because in that league where you've got like the likes of Madrid, Atletico, Barca, they're your top teams, Sevilla, um, Valencia back in the day, but. The players were so much of a higher quality than the lesser teams that they could have an off day because they knew someone 
if they were getting beat one or two nil, they got someone to pull them out of it. Mm. Whereas if you look at a Man United, Brentford against Man United, yeah. or a Brighton against Man United, yeah, you can easily get turned over. Where it's league, it's not as it's not as easy as that. Yeah, I do because I do wonder why you know Pep Guardiola has obviously managed in uh, La Liga, uh, and he put after a few years at Barcelona. I say a few years; it was a good number of seasons at Barcelona, but then he left. Mm. He then went to Bayern Munich. Good for a number of seasons there. He left. But at Man City, he's been there at the longest. And I wonder if it's because of the competitive edge of the Premier League, where you need to be on it game in, game out to succeed, that actually keeps him in the Premier League. I think if the reason is because he hasn't won the Champions League. And that's well, yeah. At, at Man City. But you're right. You can't have an off day in the Premier League. Do you think Man City will win the Premier yeah. League? Yeah. The, the Champions League? Yeah, this year. This year? Yeah, they'll win it this season. I think Haaland makes a huge difference. A huge difference. His uh, his goal uh, last night was pretty good, wasn't it? <sighs> how do you defend it? That's the question. Because I'm a how, right. Because their centre, the left side centre back, they went the three at the back, right? I don't know what else he can do because the balls, the ball is past the left, the uh, the left post. And I think to myself, how are you going to get into that? And what else can that centre back do? Right. So my question to you then is, if you are facing Haaland, how would you deal with him? How would I do with Haaland? Well, yeah. I wouldn't leave a lot of space in behind me. Right. That's for starters. And I'd be reading situations where the ball's going to go along. I'll be dropping off a, a few more yards before that. I think if you leave a lot of space for him, or he's not marked in the box, you're doomed. But like, you've seen some of his goals this season. Oh. He was strong, money. <laughs> really yeah, strong. The, the, the thing with Haaland as well is that he's 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 noted, you know, it's noticeable that he has some games where he has very few touches, mm. but then he can still score two. And that's yeah. exactly what the best strikers do, isn't it? What's the most important thing in football? Scoring goals. Scoring and it's goals. the hardest thing. And I don't think he's too bothered about not having a load of touches yeah. because he's got players in that team who can have them touches. As long as they supply the ball for Haaland in the box. He's guaranteeing your goals. Best striker in the uh, Premier League for you by quite a distance. Um, yeah, he's out. He's he's outstanding. He's only still young as well, and he's out. I wouldn't say by an, an incredible distance. I, let's put Harry Kane uh, how good he's been over the years. But I think Haaland's going to be on the next level to a lot of strikers. And he was born in Leeds, of course. Haaland. He's he's yeah. a local boy to Alfinger where we are Haaland. now. Do you know his dad? Born well? in Yorkshire. I played with his dad. Yeah, Alfinger. Yeah. Yeah. Did he, did he have any? Did he come in one day and go? I've, I've, my my son, by the way, he, he started kicking the ball around. He's pretty good at this. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I think he might have a future in this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, another question for Jonathan Mulgate. Uh, here we go. Uh, question from Hakan two two one seven. As a former footballer and coach, what do you think would have happened to Stones, Trent Alexander Arnold, or Walker if they were playing twenty to twenty five years ago? I would imagine that this is possibly reference to the fact that. Their wing backs who who charge certainly TAA and, and Walker yeah. and, and and John Stones who likes to bring the ball out and by the way what a goal from John Stones last night as well although the keeper could have yeah. done much better in my opinion uh, but where do you think these players would have fitted in twenty twenty five years ago in football all been fine all been absolutely fine because they're all top quality players um, Stones can play maybe twenty twenty five years ago that it, it wasn't always happening from the back but John Stones can play Alexander Ryan okay very attacking. Maybe in my my day that he'd have been tucked in a lot more, but Carl Walker not a problem at all. Not a problem. He is. I really rate Walker. I think he's even improved even more since he's gone um, to Man City from Spurs. He's a he's a first class player. But they'd all fit in twenty twenty five years ago without without question in my view. Uh, the interesting thing about Carl Walker, by the way, is he is an absolute athlete, isn't he? And he's thirty two now. Uh, 20, 25 years ago, 32 is pretty much at the time when people are starting to question whether you hang your boots up and that's you done and dusted. Yeah. 
Whereas now, Kai Walker and the likes of look like they could play football till they're 35, 36, 37 at the top level. Yeah, well, I think with players these days, they look after themselves a lot more. Yeah. And they've got that, um, the way of preparing for games, recovering after games, um, heart rate monitors on, testing how far they're running, what, what they're doing distance-wise. A lot of them can tell how many jumps you've made, how many XL, XLs, D-cells. I mean, with, the, with them now... With the sports science side of the game, that'll help the players really go on to the next level because of, of training. Like for, for example, if we'd have played on a Saturday at Leeds, we'd have a Sunday off. We'd come in on the Monday. It'd be a hard session. Really hard. We'd run again on the Tuesday afternoon. We'd have Wednesday off. Run again Thursday, play Friday. I mean, play, yeah. train Friday, play yeah. Saturday. Saturday yeah. it, that would be unheard of now. Unheard of. Do because you... of... Well, but no, with, with the sports science, then if it was as because uh, obviously the sports science departments of football clubs, certainly Premier League clubs, has exploded into life over the course of the last 10, 15 years with uh, you know um, technology, science, and, and and people studying this as well. If that was around when you broke into Leeds and and you'd had that from the get go, uh, just wondering how that would have affected you in your injuries and whether you you, you would have had less of with, with no question, it would have helped. It'd have helped because just say for example, in in a game you'd cover say ten thousand ten thousand kilometers in a game, and then you'd rest on a Sunday. But normally it's forty hours forty eight hours after the game, yeah, where your body's just recovering again. So you need that extra day. Bearing in mind, on a Monday we'd be at it again, at it high intensity Tuesday again. But then to not have all the information, then that'd make a huge difference yeah. if we had it then. Uh, thank you. Another question for uh, Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, another question from Off Branded. Who, in your opinion, is the best centre back in the world right now? And I will add a further question to that, which is why. Who is the best now, Virgil Van Dijk? Ah, what do you think to the start he's had this season? Uh, because he seems not quite the Virgil Van Dijk of last season at the moment. I think it's not always Virgil Van Dijk. I think it's the players around him as well. I don't think he's had that part. Well, he hasn't had that partner all season. It's been changed. So they've had Matip in a couple of a couple of games. Um, Phillips. Um, what's it called? Uh, they've had Matip and Gomez. Matip, Gomez, yeah. sorry, Gomez played centre half a few times, and he hasn't that that real structure around him. The midfield's been missing with Henderson and, and, and Thiago time. So for me, he's the best. He sees danger so easily. He's never on his backside. Very, very rarely you see him on, on his backside. Reads the game so well, can pass it, can head, is quick, can score in the other box, defends his own box. I don't, I don't see a real weakness in his game. I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, who was the uh, centre-half uh, that you, if you did, uh, when you were coming through the youth system at Leeds and still when you were you broke into the Leeds first team, that you said, there's someone I'm going to watch and study and I'm going to learn a lot of? Was there a centre-half that you, you did that with? The, the viewers, mate, I used to watch Gary Pallister yeah. and Tony Mowbray as a young kid at Middlesbrough. Yeah, I used to love watching Gary Pallister just because he used to bring the ball out of defence and he could run past players, but he could defend also. I've got his shirt at home, actually. Which Have I, you? Yeah, I was looking at it today. Um, yeah, but a top move to Man United. Got in the PFA Team of the Year. One Player of the Year. A fantastic player. And you look up to them type of players. How close were you signing for Man United, by the way? Because I know in a rather... You actually 
was it a, a, a trial spell as a young strip Man United? I certainly know. Bizarrely, you ended up playing snooker with Sir Alex Ferguson once. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, yeah, so, that, yeah. that's so, right. I was a cheeky young kid. I was a cheeky young kid, and I was on trial at Man United. I'd say for I'd say for about eighteen months. You go on different different camps with them and stuff, and every Thursday. Alex Ferguson used to used to come in and have a meal with all the players and Brian Kibbe used to have a sing song and he walked in the snook room and I was like, oh wow. He went, who wants a game of snooker? I'm not Welsh by the way. <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, I'll play. I said, no playing with him. Cheeky young kid. I'll say, oh, yeah, it was brilliant though. Just to see that a manager coming in the room, I was like, oh. And when your paths crossed later on, did you ever talk about that? Did he recognise you from those days, or what? I, I don't. I, I don't think he recognised me from them. Did I never signed in the end? Oh, I, I didn't sign for them in the end. They, they released. Well, not released me, but they said we we no longer want to bring you in. Um, so that, that that was fair enough. Okay. Another question for Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, we're getting close to how well do you know Jonathan? By the way, and your chance to win a ten USDT uh, free bet. Another question for Malo Jones. Who was the striker who challenged you the most? Who was the most difficult you faced? Well, I've got three. Um, I'd say Alan Shearer, first and foremost. He was so difficult to play against, backing in, but like in the box, he was just so sharp in the box to to get his shots away. And really, he was difficult to play against. A real handful of a striker, Thierry Henry. Oh, his speed, his his pace, his his general all round play. You faced him on uh, one of your debuts, didn't you? Middlesbrough, you Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah. That was the tough. I think I got cramped after about thirty seven minutes. I stayed on for the whole night. I don't know how I stayed on, but I stayed on. And I'd say Luis Suarez. When I was at Stoke, I played against Suarez. And one thing that I, I pride myself on as a centre-back is I never really got rolled or turned when, when the ball was coming in because I normally met it just before it was going to their feet. Suarez was just rolling me. I was like, oh, he was so strong. And he gets his body into some strange positions and his arms, his legs, and I, I couldn't get near him in the game. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, let's go through uh, some more of these before we uh, we move on uh, with the Behind the Bet uh, Sports by Dolio with Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, another question from Lolo Jones. What does the game against Athletic Bilbao on September the 22nd, 2005 mean to you? <laughs> now, I am thinking, is this the... Uh, this is the uh, famous debut, isn't it? This is the debut. So uh, you make your debut. So you've been at Real Madrid uh, for a year because uh, you've been injured, we've, we've, we've talked about that. And then you finally make your debut against Athletic Bilbao. Obviously, the night before, you're thinking, yeah, okay. When, when did you find out you were playing, first of all? The day before. The day before. The day before. So you go to bed that night thinking, I'm going to invent. I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking what the game could be like or how I could play. Yeah. You're visualising the game? Yeah. I didn't visualise that. No. Uh, talk to me <laughs> you about the game. Would you wouldn't, would you? No. Well, again, you're one of five English players to play for Real Madrid. Yeah. I'm not visualising getting sent off and scoring an own goal. Right. So the own goal. Let's talk about the own goal first of all. Right. You are stood, what, 20 yards out, 25 yards, and there's a shot. Yeah. Now, your job as a defender is to stop conceding goals. Yes, to stop the ball going yeah. in the back of that. So the shot near you. So you do the perfectly natural thing, which is try and block the shot. That's all you do, isn't it? I think as a defender, you do that. Of course you do. In my defence, so I'd been out for, say, what, a year? I didn't have no practice games. Right. So I was None at all. They none. just threw you straight in. I was straight in. I'd trained and, and done about six weeks' work. I didn't have a practice game. I was straight in. See, that's harsh. So what I'm looking at in my defense is I was a bit like disoriented. I didn't really know if you if you know what I mean. I should have been a bit over to the left, really. I was a bit out of position. So I'm thinking to myself, that's in my defense. Yeah. But 
it's one of them things, isn't it? It's one of them things. To be fair, with the first yellow card as well, I should have been sent off because it was a terrible tackle, mistimed. And I'm not really, wouldn't come across as a dirty player on the pitch. I was more like well-timed. But I could have been sent off for the yellow, but I didn't think the red. I don't think I should have got a red. Yeah, I've heard you say this. So I shouldn't they, have got a red. You you think you should have got a red when you got the yellow, yeah. but you don't think it was a booking when you then picked up the second yellow to get a red. Exactly right. And I think all the players agreed with me. <laughs> could have been, I could have been not. It could have been worse. And right. I could have got a straight red. So Real Madrid fans, especially fans of Barcelona, Real Madrid, the top sides in Spain, they are quite happy to show their displeasure. Uh, the white hankies, the booing, they are on your back straight away. But what happened when you got sent off on your debut? I got a standing ovation. Standing ovation. <laughs> I couldn't believe it myself, to be honest. I was thinking, I'm going to get barracked here. <laughs> I think my mother and father were in the crowd behind, behind the goal, I think they were. Um, they must have started the cheese off. <laughs> but yeah, I got, I, I, could, I got a standing ovation. I think because they realised the work that I'd put in to try and get fit. Yeah. It was well documented in the local press how hard I was working. I was, I was learning the language. And I was making mistakes learning the language, but trying and trying to fit into this 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 culture and this humongous club. What did the uh, what did the players, if you can remember, what did the players say to you? Uh, and what do you do when you're sent off? Do you go and have a shower, get changed, and wait for the team to come back in? I mean, or do you sit there in your kit and just feel like you know this is the worst thing ever? And and what were the players like with you when they came back in? Can you imagine what I was thinking when I got sent off? Oh, I, I, well. I mean, I would imagine I can only think of about six swear words right yeah. now that uh, cross my Because when you get sent off, you walk down some steps. Yeah. And in the Bernabeu, you walk up some real steep steps. Yeah. And then you go to the locker room on your right-hand side. I remember just sitting there with my head in my hands thinking, oh, my God, what has happened here? I remember we were getting beat as well, I think. We ended up winning, winning the game. I think we ended up winning the game 4-2, four, four was that right? And I remember just in, being in the locker room and Ronaldo coming over to me, he said, he said listen, don't worry about that. Your leg's fine. And I just realised, I thought to myself, I've been out for a year now. I've just signed for this team. I'm back. And like he rephrased it. He said, listen, it happens to everyone. Just just move on from it. But then I remember picking up my phone and Kieran Dye going to me, that was the worst day I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I had to agree with him. I had to agree with him. It's still the worst one now. Yeah, but it's hard. I mean, you haven't played football for a year and then you throw them straight into first-team action. That's yeah. incredibly harsh. Yeah, I think there was that, that clamour for me to play and to get out there, so I don't think there was time to make all these these friendlies up. And so, then, yeah, straight uh, in. as we said, you scored in the Champions League at the Bernabeu against Rosenborg. Uh, literally, what was it, a week or two later? Yeah, something I think it was like that? two weeks later. Two weeks later? But that was probably one on... That was, that was an incredible yeah. feeling. 48th-minute equaliser, losing one in at half-time, and they went on to win 4-1. You were the bedrock of that victory. So <laughs> let's counterbalance the... The assist was this, good. The, the, uh, thank you. Right, uh, we uh, time is moving on. So uh, one further question. Question from Gabby Champs. How did you deal with your injury uh, mentally? How desperate were you to do well at, at Real Madrid? Um, I think when you get injured, you, you've got to have that that tunnel vision that you will get back. Um, you've got to do everything you can possibly to to get fit. Don't cut any corners. But when I first got there after after three weeks, I I re tore my thigh again. Mm. So that 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 was the thing, and that was a real that was a hard blow to take because um, I wanted to play as quick as I could, and I wanted to show them how good I was. Yeah, to be honest with you, but you're desperate to play. Can you try too hard? 
that's probably what I what I did. What I did. That's what um, I'm like with golf. And I, yeah, and also because you're that keen to play, you can rush your injury. Yeah. But I didn't always think it was me who was rushing it. Maybe not in Madrid, but previous clubs were rushing me back yeah. to try and get me back fit. Maybe pressure from managers or pressure from upstairs. You, you never know. But what what advice I would give players now in terms of injury-wise, especially muscle injuries, take your time. Patience. Make sure you're patient because you've yeah. got your career to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. I think we've got one further question. Here we go. Uh, let's see it pop up. A uh, question from Darts. Can we learn about your feelings when you won the trophy by scoring in the 94th minute in the EFL Cup versus Chelsea in 2008? Uh, yeah, this is a ball played in by Jermaine Genus. That's right. You went up for the header, completely unmarked. Uh, and it kind of, it, it, it kind of, what did it? You headed it, it hit the keeper, then you headed it. It's like a double headed kind of thing, and then it went in the back of the net, and you, you won the league. Cup yeah, I don't it. have that. I don't have that thought of it though. I ever thought it was a rocket header. <laughs> um, no, I remember, I remember Jermaine lining up, and I remember Drogba was close to me, and I know Drogba's not good at picking up from set players, yeah. and I knew that. So I pulled off the back, and I said, Jay, just put it in that spot there. So I just go in, head it. And I see Czech coming towards me and I head it onto him, then it hits my nose and goes in. Hence the reason why I've got a bit of a, a wonky nose. Um, but yeah, as a kid growing up on the playground, everyone wants to score a goal at Wembley in a cup final. So I was lucky enough to fulfil a dream, really. Yeah, of course. And for my parents who took me from every single training session at Leeds, covered miles, working as a, uh, as, as a plumber, my mum working as a secretary working nine till five then taking me to train up to Leeds, which is back then was an hour and a half away yeah. so it was it, it was for them really but a magnificent feeling so there's not many people we've established this already who can claim english people who can claim they've played for real madrid and there's not many people who can claim they've got a trophy winning nose so you know <laughs> yeah see it every day exactly uh thank you for that dark right we're going to move on now to how well do you know jonathan uh this is where we asked you three questions before you came in today, you've answered them. We're going to see how many people have correctly identified your answers. Here we go. Uh, so let's play Jonathan's pick. So if you got uh, two out of these three, at least two out of these three, uh, you win a 10 USDT free bet. So what is your proudest moment of your professional career, Mr. Woodgate? Uh, signing your first professional contract, making your senior debut, uh, making your debut for England or scoring your first senior goal, which I think was against Sheffield Wednesday, which as a Sheffield United fan, I thank you very much for that. Looping header. Great header. Yeah, looping. Great header. Uh, yeah, making my senior debut. Yeah. Which was against uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Done uh, your own work, haven't you? Oh, You've done your own work. I think Alfinger Ireland was playing as well. Was he? Yeah. Erling could have been in the crowd. He could have been the mascot. <laughs> You didn't know. What was that like making your debut? This is your dream, and now you're stepping out on turf for the first time. Yeah, beforehand, the night before, really nervous. Really, really nervous. Um, but I knew as soon as I, I went up the pitch, I'd be absolutely fine, and you forget about all the nerves. As soon as you touch the ball, you're fine, and you, you belong there. You, you believed yourself, you belong there. You've worked all these years to get to that moment. How, how nervous were you? Because we, we've done uh, previous behind the bets, when, um, one with Peter Schmeichel. And Peter Schmeichel, uh, when he played, I think it was for Porto, uh, he he uh, played in a, a Champions League game and he was really extremely nervous before stepping out on the pitch. And he just said, why am I nervous? This is what I want to do. And from that point onwards, mm. he was never nervous again. And he seemed to stop nerves 
then and i don't know how you possibly can just do that no i i definitely couldn't do that i was just as nervous i was for my debut as my last game or just as nervous on my debut as i was for a pre-season game yeah so they'll be exactly the same nerves but i i, I always like to have that feeling in my in my the pit of my stomach when i yeah. woke up on a morning new and i had a game at 3 p.m or 7 45. i used to like that feeling that pressure of, of, of playing and that nervousness feeling. Were you, more, were you more nervous before a game as a player or a manager? Exactly the same. Okay. I'd say exactly the same. Uh, thank you. Uh, question number two. Well done if you said uh, making your senior debut, by the way. Uh, if you were not a footballer, what would you have been your profession? A plumber, a painter, an architect or a salesman? Uh, plumber. Just like your dad? My father was a plumber, like so... I'm sure I'd have took that on. Are you a, are you good around the house? Terrible. All oh, right. Absolutely horrific. Are you good at plumbing? Um, I'd help one of my friends if he came round. I'd do his labouring probably, but I wouldn't be able to. Okay. I wouldn't be able to do it. All right, thank you. Uh, well done if you said a plumber. And question number three: What football stadium? Here we go. Have you enjoyed playing football at uh, the most? Uh, Goodison Park, White Hart Lane, Riverside Stadium, or St James's Park? And your answer is Goodison. Now that surprised me when I found this out. Why Goodison Park? Just because of the atmosphere. Just because it's one of them stadiums where everybody's on top of you. It's a good old stadium. It's a isn't good it? stadium. Which, I, I like. Which, I like the old school stadium. Which they're going to be moving out of, aren't they? Yeah, I know. It'll be a shame. Um, but I'd definitely say Goodison atmosphere, the, the uh, tradition of that stadium. It's like when you go to the to the city ground. Then those types of stadiums are the best for me. The old ones. Okay, then. then Spurs' new stadium is magnificent, but the old ones. Did you score at Goodison Park? Yes. You did four, score four that. draw. Yeah. Against uh, Evan. <laughs> well, you never played for Everton, so I guess it would have been Everton at Goodison Park. Uh, yeah. So uh, well done to anybody who's there. Now we've got a list of winners we can pop up on screen. All of one. A 10 USDT free bet. Uh, there's a rock bet, uh, Dalkilic, and then I'm not going to pronounce that one. Good luck. But in fact, I will do. I'll have a go. Uh, Mahu Boopfip, uh, Oki 1441, and Many Moon as well. Uh, you seem to possibly caught a lot of people out with that. Uh, well done if you won uh, a 10 USDT free bet, which will be in your sportsbet.i uh, account within um, 48 hours. Now let's move on to uh, Jonathan's charity bet. So this is uh, behind the course. This is where we are going to give you a 500 euro free bet, actually. So uh, it's uh, the charity of your choice, which is the Leeds United Foundation, yeah. uh, which is the official charity for Leeds United Football Club, part of the Leeds family. The organization aims to use the power of sport to educate, motivate, inspire and support people throughout the local Leeds community. So I've clearly come through the youth system at Leeds. You've, you've still got them very close to your heart. Yeah, Listen, I, I was basically I moved there when I was 15 year old, yeah. um, and it was a, it was the best thing I did to move out of Middlesbrough at that, at that time. You know, get away from the, the whole surroundings of the temptations. Um, but moving to Leeds, they give me a lot of love. When I, when I was a young player, I still have a still have a good relationship with the with a lot of the staff down there now, and it it's done a lot for me in my career. Now, what we're going to do, we've never done this before. So this is a first for Behind the Bet. We're going to give you the opportunity 
to double the money because we're going to take part in a little 10 question quiz now for every question you get right some of these questions are about you some of these questions are about just football in general okay for every question you get correct we'll add 50 euros sportsbet.ir will add 50 euros to your tally so the 500 euros is safe but we can add to it so there's 10 questions coming your way oh, i'll bet that's okay off. uh some will be uh some won't be which you'll work out by the first question and then we'll Any get close. to bet. Uh, some are about you and some of them you won't have to think very hard about and some might catch you out. Okay. So are you ready for question number one to double the free bet for behind the course? Uh, question number one, what's your middle name? Simon. Is the right answer. That's, <laughs> that's, that's already 550. Uh, question number two, who won the Premier League in your breakthrough season for Leeds United? Arsenal. Stays at 550. It was Man United. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what it was? Because I saved one off the line against Arsenal. Header. There you see. Ah. There you see. You're annoyed, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, question number three. Which team has more points right now in the Premier League, Fulham or Newcastle? Fulham. Are you sure? Yeah. Is the right answer. Uh, they've got uh, eight points. Newcastle have seven so you're right uh, 600 euros that's what we're up to uh question number four which leads player was sent off on your debut away at nottingham forest which lead? was it someone sent off so yeah. we don't tell then yeah. one one away nottingham forest there was a player sent bruno off. ribeiro no danny granville, danny granville. <laughs> you knew it ah. i can't allow it that's still 600 okay uh right question uh number six which team did you score your last goal against your last goal against which uh team did you last score a professional goal against blackpool is the right answer so you're up to 650. uh question number seven in the history of the premier league leicester city have won correct at the time of the recording of behind the bet today in the history of the premier league leicester city have won uh 208 games have Leeds won more or less in the Premier League? Less. More. 218. Oh, I'm having a nightmare. Yeah, 650 euros, though. Still great. Uh, right, here's a tough one. You ready for this one? In the history of the Premier League, 10 teams, starting with the letter B, have played in the Premier League. Right? Yeah. Can you name seven of them? Uh, how long have I got? Burnley. Yeah. Birmingham. Uh, yeah. Bolton. Yeah. Brighton and North Albion. Yeah. Brentford. Yeah. Bradford. Yes. Come on, keep going. So hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang uh, <laughs> on. Oh, any clues? Yeah, you manage one of them. Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> how many is that? How many is that? Seven. I don't know. Lost count. That's seven. Uh, I've got one more. Seven. Uh, 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 did you mention Blackburn? I said Blackburn. You said. Yeah, I think there's one you might not get, and they're not too far away from where we are right now. Said Bradford, oh, bit, bit, Burnley, bit Bolton, further South, no, playing red now in League One. <laughs> Nicknamed the Tykes, Pansley, Pansley, yeah, that's eight. <laughs> What's the other two? Uh, the full list is uh, Barnsley, Birmingham, Blackburn. Blackpool, Bolton, Bournemouth, Bradford, Brentford, Burnley, and Brighton. I so I think you've got them all. Right. So I yeah. think you're up to 700 euros. Uh, question number nine. You won your first game in charge of Bournemouth in February 2021. 
who did you win against and what was the score? Birmingham. Score? 3-1. Give another goal for Birmingham. 3-2 it was. 3-2, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, I like that. 7-50. And final question is, you scored 11 goals in your career, three against one side. Chelsea. Which, oh, look at that. Including one off your nose. Correct. Which won the... Uh, so there we are. So that's 800 euros by my reckoning. It's not bad. Not good enough. Now, yeah, but what is the bet? Now, you played for Real Madrid. We've established that already. Um, Real Madrid this weekend are taking on Atletico Madrid. So we would like a scoreline from you for that game. And that's what we'll put the 800 euros on. Now, the 800 euros will already go uh, to the charity of uh, your choice, the uh, Leeds United Foundation. But, of course, mm. if the bet lands, then we'll put all the money towards it. Tough game. It is a tough, tough game. Tough game. Defensively, very good. Atletico Madrid. I'm going to say 1-0 Madrid, Real. 1-0 Real Madrid. I get the price of that. We'll uh, have a look at that. And that's what we'll put the 800 euros on. It's it's at it's at the Bernabeu, yeah? Uh, I think this is actually at, and I'll double check, but I think it's actually at Atletico it's Madrid. Atletico. Yeah. Did you did you ever sample the old Barcelona Real Madrid derby? No, not even as a sub or just as a fan or just in the no no. Uh, What about the Madrid derby? Yes. What was that like? Bench, incredible atmosphere. I think we won three nil. I think Ronaldo got a couple of goals after. Yeah, unreal atmosphere, but the stadium's changed now, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, you would have played the old one. Yeah, I played the old one. Where this is now the Metropolitano. Uh, it is at Atletico Madrid. It's on eight o'clock Sunday night. Yeah. So you want to stay with one nil for Real Madrid? I'm gonna go one one. You're gonna go one one. Yeah. Okay. They've won all the games this season, Madrid. So the you a, a bit of a draw? Uh, they have uh, previous head to heads between these two sides. Just have a quick look. Slipping into the old clubhouse TV, I will tell you now that uh, the last meeting here was one nil Atletico Madrid, and the meeting before that was indeed one one. What's the price on one one? I'm gonna find out shortly. You're asking me a question which I can't answer to. <laughs> And we're out of time anyway, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll find 12 out. 12 to prices. 5. No, something, something that'll like be the draw, won't it? Uh, mate, I want to say thank you. Uh, we've, uh, how quick has that gone, that one hour? Uh, mate, thank Fast. you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, thoroughly uh, great to have you. So thank you so much for being a, a special guest on Behind the Better Sports Bet. Uh, thank you for watching today. Uh, that is, up, uh, is us uh, from us today on this special day, on Ethereum Day. Uh, as I've said already, there is a very special uh, there's, well, uh, there's a special show tonight on Clubhouse TV. Uh, they're covering the Europa League, but there's chances for you to win some free bets. So join uh, James Butler and uh, David Easton later on for that. Three chances to win some free bets. Uh, so they'll have all the details. Uh, thank you again, Jonathan. It's uh, been great to have your uh, company. Uh, keep up to date with all the news of our next guest on Behind the Bet in the Clubhouse at sportsbet.io. And until next time, take care. <laughs>